0: Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel's Solid Rock.
1: Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this
0: is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him.
1: Part of reading the scripture isn't just about finding out what we need to do. It's finding out who God is. Jesus reveals who he is. We see God right here. We see our Lord. See what he does is he feels their pain. He feels it. He understands the hurt, the sadness. God is not just up there knowing everything, going, chill out, stop crying, stop. Hey, it all works out in the end. He's not up there doing that. He hurts because you hurt.
0: He hurts with you. Life's struggles can be tough to handle. God feels your hurt just as you experience it. He isn't some distant being telling you to rub dirt on it and carry on. His empathy for you is boundless. The Bible isn't just a guideline on how we should live our lives, but a biography of the character and nature of our everlasting Father. Today, Pastor Troy begins his study into the events surrounding the resurrection of Lazarus and the qualities of compassion God displayed in human form. Now, here's Pastor Troy in John chapter 11 with part one of his message, A Funeral for a Happy Ending.
1: We're in John chapter 11, verses 33 through 44. I already told you the title. A funeral with a happy ending. Let me read something that I had found called "Eluding death. It says, a man was walking by his home in his own neighborhood when one day he passed death. This ghoulish figure death, as they met, gave the man a surprised look, yet they passed each other without saying a word. This shook the man so much that he called a wise friend and he said, I've just seen death. And he had a strange expression on his face. What could this mean? The wise friend said, I I think your time's up. I think tomorrow morning he's going to call on you to take you. The man said, What do I need to do to escape? The wise friend said, I think you need to get in your car, drive as fast as you can to a distant city, drive all night, don't stop, go as far as you can, and so escape death. The man did that. In fact, he made record time to the city. He got out of his car, breathed a sigh of relief that he had escaped death. And just then, death tapped him on the shoulder. The man turned around, and he was shocked. And death said, I've come for you. The man said, But I thought I saw you yesterday by my home far, far away from here. Death said, I know. That's why I look so surprised to see you in that city, for I was told to meet you in this city today. The point is this death is unavoidable, it's inevitable, it's a part of life, right? It's a subject that doesn't often come up around the dinner table, though, right? It's not on the list of, hey, we've got some new friends coming over. Let's talk about death. It's just not the thing that comes up. In fact, for some, they don't even talk at a normal decibel level about death. He he died. You know, everything's, you know, everything's softer because of this stigma, I guess, attached to it. Hey, God hears and God knows the number of our days and there is no funeral guy death running around. So we don't have to be afraid of it. Today we're at a funeral. Death has arrived. The funeral of a man named Lazarus, a friend of Jesus. Martha and Mary had sent for Jesus, but Jesus delayed. He didn't come on time, uh, according to their clocks. Remember that intense discipleship program that's going on? So Jesus delays with his disciples. Well, he arrives and... Mary and Martha both come at him separately, but they both say the same thing. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. Would have lived. So Mary fell at his feet. She's weeping, and that's where we pick up now. 400 years, listen, 400 years before Christ. A man named Socrates, famous philosopher. Lots of people listened to him. In fact, lots of people seem to quote him today. Well, he had friends gather around his deathbed, and a question among many questions, but a question that was pressing upon their hearts as they're about to lose this great philosopher was this Will we live again? And Socrates, in all of his wisdom, gave this answer I hope so. <laughs> I hope so? That's not all that good. That's not all that reassuring. It's not like the answer Jesus gave to Martha, if you remember back in verse 25, where he said, I am the resurrection and the life. You believe in me, you don't die to live. In fact, he had told Martha, Lazarus is going to live again. That's what I want to hear. I want confidence, and I want to hear it from not a lunatic. I want to hear it from someone who can do this. That's exactly what Jesus is going to show them he can do today. He gives proof to back that claim as we look at a funeral with a happy ending. Look at verse 33. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, He groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and He said, Where have you laid Him? They said to Him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how He loved. The first thing we want to consider before we get to our happy ending is that sad part. Jesus reveals his emotions. Get that? Jesus reveals his emotions. When it says that Jesus wept, it's not the same word used for Martha and Mary and the others who wept. Don't get the image that Jesus has now fallen into their state. Like they're, oh! See, the word used to describe their weeping is kleo, which means. To wail and sob. But the word used to describe Jesus weeping is dakruo. Which is a word that means you've done this before, right? Where you're standing there and the emotion of a situation takes you and you can't hold back the tears. You're not sobbing. you're You're not doing all of that. But tears are coming down. You've been there, right? Eyes can only hold so much before they release. That's the kind of weeping that Jesus is doing he's standing there he looks at the situation probably the lump in the throat and just can't hold back the tears so the question though is why is he weeping i mean he knows that in just a few minutes lazarus is going to come out in kind of a comical scene have you ever known you're about to do something funny or someone's about to sit on the whoopy cushion you know or or something and you're like <laughs> You know, you would think that Jesus who is all-knowing, knowing that, you know, Lazarus is going to be you know, coming out, that he would go <coughs> why is he weeping? I'll tell you because it reveals something about him. It reveals something to us about our Lord. You know, part of reading the scripture isn't just about finding out what we need to do. It's finding out who God is. Jesus reveals who He is. We see God right here. We see our Lord. See, what He does is He feels their pain. feels it. He understands the hurt, the sadness. God is not just up there knowing everything, going, chill out, stop crying, stop. Hey, it all works out in the end. He's not up there doing that. He hurts because you hurt. He hurts with you. Look at what the people get from this in verse 36. See I loved Him. They see His emotion. They see His passion. They see His heart. The one who could have prevented this is now revealing the depth of His love in this. Could have prevented it. But He allowed it, and in this, the people are going to see His love. Now, I want to offer to you a theory that I have about a question that many have. And that is, they say, why would God allow all of this? You know, the fall. Why didn't He stop it back then? I believe that one of the major plans of God in all of this is to reveal His love. See, when we were perfect in the garden, sin hadn't fallen, we had the close relationship. Yeah, He loved just as much. No more. No less Then, But we didn't know the depth of that love. But after the fall and the rebellion, and, er, 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 I'm sorry, Lord. And all of those things take place and unfold and the vilest of things said against the Lord. Crucifying Jesus to the cross. And to hear things like, Father, forgive them. We go, oh, you love us that much? Have you ever thought, I'm not worthy of someone's love? I'm not worthy to be accepted. We feel that, but what we have to do is not believe our feelings. We have to believe the Word of God. See, God's plan, part of His plan, in addition to the redeeming, is to reveal how much He loves us. That's why when we fail, He accepts us back as soon as we turn to Him say, I love you that much. Now, his desire is that we don't stumble, not because he's not forgiving, but because he knows the further pain that's going to happen in our life as a result of making those decisions and doing those things. He does not want us. See, that's the plan of God. Now, contrast that with the gods they were believing in at that time. Not Israel, but the Romans, the Greeks in particular, the Greek gods. The Greek gods were very apathetic. It's like they were playing games up there and we were just pawns. Unimportant. They could care less about us. So you see what Jesus is beginning to reveal about the one true and living God. We serve a God who really cares. He really cares. He cares about you. He also cares about how you're feeling. He cares. Now, some of the people start to think, just like Martha and Mary, when they first approached Jesus saying, you know, if you'd have been here, Lazarus would still be alive. Some of them start to think the same way. Couldn't he have prevented this? Look at verse 37. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave. A stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. Or the old King James, he surely stinketh. That's just like the best version ever. For he has been dead four days.
0: Pastor Troy will return soon with the second part of today's message, so be sure to stay tuned. If you'd like to listen to more teachings from Building on the Solid Rock, we invite you to visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. Pastor Troy has been teaching verse by verse through the Bible for a while. You can listen online to our archive of these messages. You can also download each teaching to listen to later or share with your friends and family. You can even subscribe to the Building on the Solid Rock podcast through iTunes. That way you'll never miss a teaching and you'll be notified as soon as we make these messages available. Find a link to subscribe when you visit buildingonthesolidrock.com. Now, here's Pastor Troy with the continuation of today's message. On the solid
1: so, we've got Jesus reveals his emotions now let's look at the people who are resigned emotionally. They've resigned themselves to this fate, this death. The people default to the same philosophy that many do in a time of loss. And that is, how could a God of love allow this? How could a God who loves allow this? If He loves Him, man, look how He loves Him. Well, if He loves Him, couldn't He have prevented this? Doesn't He have that power? Parents, parents, You guys understand this, I think. You know what it's like to love a child enough to guide them. And in some of the guiding process, during those formative years, those young years, you don't intercept their every decision so that they don't go through a consequence. There are times where you go, we need to, I've told them, I've told them, and now I've got to let this happen. I told you. I have told you. And then they do it, and they experience the consequences. Or or another is you lay out the rules. If you do this, then I'm going to take away this privilege, or we're not going to go to this place. And they do it, and then later on they beg. Oh, please, I'm sorry, I beg. But you go through, if you love them, you have them go through the consequence. You can't 100% of the time not let them go through the consequences. So you allow them to experience that which should come upon them the consequences of their decisions. See, if you don't let them experience the consequences of their choices and you micromanage them so that they never make any mistakes, thus avoiding consequences, you actually keep them from growing. You actually keep them from growing. You keep them from growing in their decision-making, and you keep them from being able to cope with challenges that life brings. They're not able to. They don't know how to handle the adversity, the consequences, know how to make the right decision, how to get back up on their feet again and go, I will make it. I'll survive. I remember seven years ago when I didn't get to go to the place, I survived. They don't learn those things. They need to experience them and learn them. Consequences are good. And so the Lord lets the consequences of sin in this world play out. How many of you love sin? Now, and I don't mean like, yeah, there's some sins I love. I don't mean that. Not the attractiveness of sin. But when we think about a child getting molested or we think about certain harsh crimes against people, how many then go, man, I hate sin. That's what we're supposed to get from this. We're supposed to learn. Because see, this isn't going to happen again. There's not going to be another fall. There's not going to be another rebellion. This is it. All lessons learned through this. And so there are some harsh consequences in this world because of sin. When the consequences come and you don't rescue them or you don't let them go, you know what you'll hear sometimes? You don't love me. That's like the final card, right? right? You don't love me. An oh, for some. It's too hard to take. <gasps> I, can't, I can't take that. Look, you know you love them. That's not what this is about. Is it true when you don't let them go because you said, if you do this, we're not going to do this, and you bring about the consequences, is it true you don't love them because you follow through with the consequences? No. In fact, there's nothing more loving you can do. Now, there's times for grace, but it shouldn't be your norm. In fact, to be honest with you, it hurts all the more knowing, knowing that you could take away the consequence in that scenario. And yet you hold fast. It hurts because they're saying, you don't love me. And you're going, no, I could give in, but I am thinking about your future. I am thinking about what's best for you. You've got to learn. And it is hard. It's not the easiest thing you'll do. But you know what? What your children think of you at 5 years old and 10 years old and 15 years old for a few minutes or even a day, is not near as important as what they're going to think of you when you've prepared them for life. And at 20, 30, 40, when key decisions are being made, they go, thank you, thank you, Mom and Dad, for disciplining me. You know, I've never, ever, almost never, heard anyone say my parents were too strict, except for in those cases where it's just like, goodness, like Hitler, you know? (laughs) Hitler and a whip. But other than that, most of the time, almost every occasion is, My parents didn't discipline me. I wish my parents would have disciplined me. I wish my parents would have enforced things in the home. That's the case more than any. I'm so undisciplined now because they didn't enforce things then. So, So they're thinking this could have been avoided. If he had intervened, this could have been avoided. Now, in verse 38, we see Jesus groaned in himself. Jesus groaned in himself, and he said, "Roll away the stone." The word groaned here is not in extension or in relation to his weeping, like he's weeping and, oh, that's not this. The word is let me see if I can get this one. This a big one. Embrama omahi." One word, but I need to break it up in like four syllables: Embrama omahi." Here's what it means. It's a groan of indignation or frustration. Have you ever groaned like that? Uh, how many times are I going you know, to? That kind of groan. It's like that. So there's a frustration in the Lord who is sad. He's broken. He's hurting for them. And then he's uh, roll away the stone. That's what's going on. Why? Why so frustrated? I mean, it's not like Lazarus is not going to be brought about, right? He knows all of this. So where are these emotions coming from? What is this feeling that Jesus is feeling? I'm going to tell you what it is. Jesus seems to be frustrated at the consequences of sin. It's like, hmm, this is what it's done. And he's not happy. He's sad because he feels for the people. He's frustrated because this is is not the way it's designed. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And he groans within himself. You've been there too. Whenever you see a child abused or someone ends up in the ER room due to a senseless act of violence or someone loses a limb, you find out a friend loses a limb because of diabetes. And you go, I hate sin. I hate the corruption in this world. I can't wait till heaven. That's where Jesus is at. Well, here Jesus is looking at this whole funeral situation, the tears, the deep grief, and it's like it's not supposed to be like this. It's not, guys. Sin brought death. Sin has caused this. And this is why Jesus emphasizes so often, pay attention, I have come that you may have life. Because death is everywhere. Death is overtaking. Death is destroying. Every single day our Lord experiences someone crying out because someone died. Every single day. Every few seconds. Death, death, death. That wasn't supposed to happen at all. But for Him, it's every few seconds. Death. That's His perspective. supposed to be life. And so Jesus talks about, I came that you may have life. It's been robbed from you. You see, we all hate death, don't we? But we're powerless to do anything about it. Can't do anything about it. As you get older, we start going, well, this is the new normal. These aches, these pains, this is the new normal. We give in. We resign ourselves because we're powerless to do anything about it. Death is the consequence of sin in the world. But look what Paul wrote to the Romans. Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. At this time, the people resigned emotionally because of death. So when Jesus says, roll away the stone, Martha's resigned. She's like, surely he smells by now. You know, those fragrant spices that we tucked into the crevices of his funeral garments, those have faded. Now it's just kind of stench by now. You see, without Christ, it's hopeless. Just as hopeless as Martha was in that moment of finding anything but a stench there. We all have a hopeless future. Death. May as well resign ourselves emotionally to it, right? But in Christ, everything changes. In Christ, death has lost its sting. Now, I make it a point to say, in Christ... And to make that distinction, because I don't know if you're aware of this, but some think that all you have to do to go to heaven is die. You die, you go to heaven. Or others think that if you live a good moral life, you'll go to heaven. Not true. The truth is that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. There are no amount of good works that a person can do to earn their spot in heaven because the wages of sin is death. Everyone is under that condemnation, everyone. And to prove it, we all have that in our future, should God tarry and not
0: call us soon. Pastor Troy has been teaching through the Gospel of John here on Building on the Solid Rock. Different than the other Gospel books, John introduced his book by going further back than when Jesus was born as a baby. He delved into the very nature of God and solidified throughout his writing that Jesus was the Son of God. This backdrop gives you a different insight into Jesus as a man, as he lived here on earth. It's no wonder that the book of John includes so many miracles, because it's evidence that only God could do such things. If you're curious to hear more of the teachings from this book, visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. You can listen online or download the messages to share with others. If you've been encouraged by today's message, we'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send us an email through our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Troy next time as he continues in the Gospel of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in. You wait in us